This week on The Outlaw Lawyer, did you know you have a constitutional right to privacy? Well, you do. Joe and I will tell you where it comes from and what it protects this week. And now, the Supreme Court has said unanimously, this was wrong. Fact-based. Your belief at the time doesn't necessarily jive with what the actual law is. Reasonable. Informative. Now, if you take in facts and you think about them and you don't jump to a instant opinion, you're the outlaw. And now... Outlaw Lawyer with Josh Whitaker. You are dialed into the Outlaw Lawyer. As always, I am one of your two hosts. My name is Josh Whitaker. On my right here in the studio is Joseph T. Hamer. Joseph, how are things? Hello, Josh. I'm doing great. It's <laughs> great to be here as always, and I'm happy to talk with you. I feel like every the first minute and 15 seconds of every episode of The Outlaw Lawyer is almost verbatim the same. I've never I haven't gone back and confirmed that, but that's my that's my guess. Uh, the, the people love consistency <laughs> and, and I think it gives uh, that sense of normalcy. That's what the people are looking for. I've not listened to a second of any episode. I hate <laughs> my voice and uh, I apologize to anyone that has to hear it. But yes, <laughs> I, it, I do get deja vu every time you, you do that. I might try to get more creative next time. I'll if have to if it ain't it. broke, don't fix it. <laughs> and the, uh, if it's your first time listening to The Outlaw Lawyer, Joe and I are practicing North Carolina attorneys. And what we try to do each week for about an hour or so is kind of sit down and pick things out of the news, uh, pick things that we think are interesting to, to non-attorneys. So we try to take legal cases, statutes, happenings you know, out of the news and kind of look at them from an attorney's perspective just like they were coming across our desk at the law firm. Um, I think it's important for you to know that Joe and I are the owners and managing partners of Whitaker & Hamer. That's a law firm with offices in Raleigh, Clayton Garner, Goldsboro, and Fuquay Verena. I try to mention those offices in different orders every week, but I don't know that I'm doing it. You're doing a good job. <laughs> I, think you've, I think you've successfully – there's only so many combinations, but I think you've hit them, hit them all. And before we get started, I always want to let people know we really – uh, we say this every week, and some people are taking us up on it, but if the firm can be of any service to you, if you have any questions or anything you want us to talk about on The Outlaw Lawyer, you can call us. So we have a phone number set up, 1-800-659-1186. That number is set up to take a message. If you call it, please leave some contact information so we can reach back out to you or get the right appropriate attorney over at the firm to reach out to you. Um, and you can also text that number now. Um, so if you have a message, you want to text it 1-800-659-1186. As always, you can shoot us an email at questions. Again, that's plural, questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. Our website is theoutlawlawyer.com, where our vintage shows exist. Um, all of our old shows are archived there, and we do live on social media as The Outlaw Lawyer. And... Uh, Social media, we did have someone reach out to us uh, about one of our show uh, a week or two ago. We talked about ransomware. And so um, one of our listeners named Jimbo, and I've never met a bad guy named Jimbo. Every single human being named Jimbo that, that I've ever met as well has been a fantastic human being. I've got another theory. I've never met a guy. I met Davids that maybe I don't like that much. But if they go by Dave, I've never met a Dave that was a bad guy. I can't think of a, a Dave in period that has ever been a bad guy. And Joseph, Dave Coulier. Yeah. <laughs> Joseph, you're uh, 
you're probably a bit too young, but are you, you ever watched the Kids in the Hall? You familiar with yeah, the Kids in the so, Hall? Yeah, 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 somewhat. All right. Well, there's a Canadian comedy yeah. troupe. Yeah. Yeah. So Dave Foley. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Dave Foley, and he has this song called "These Are the Daves I Know." Have you ever seen that? I have not. Well, it's worth a Google. Okay. But it goes back to my theory that there's not a, I don't think there's a bad Dave. There's no evil Daves out there. But I'm, back, trying, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to dig deep. A bad Dave. Dave. Like even historically, like in history. Even even better than that, is there, there's no bad Jimbos. I think we can conclusively say there's never been a bad Jimbo. Well, a Jimbo, you know, there's one of the bullies on The Simpsons is a Jimbo. Yeah, he probably had reasons for bullying people, though, I'd say. <laughs> Justified. But Jimbo pointed out to us, right, and rightfully so, I think we maybe came off uh, on our ransomware episode, we kind of talked about uh, technology a little bit and low, maybe low-tech attacks versus uh, high-tech attacks. And uh, so he pointed out that some of these ransomware attacks are, in fact, very, very, very sophisticated. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point. You know, we talked about the the ransomware with kind of a broad generalization, and uh, of course, there's there's there are ransomware attacks that are probably far more sophisticated than either Joshua or myself could ever even comprehend. And you know, I, that's a very fair point, and I'm glad Jimbo brought that up because it is it is a very complex thing, and the mechanism of action and the way that they they lock these systems up. There's nothing there's nothing simple about that. I think. I think what we were trying to emphasize, and we may have done a poor job of that, but I think what we were trying to emphasize is the way that access is gained a lot of times is a very low-tech method, which, again, is just targeting individual users with just simple phishing schemes or just simple scam emails. And I think that that, that does happen a lot. But, of course, the ransomware, there it's very complicated. It's very calculated, and that's a great point. And I appreciate Jimbo reaching out to us with that. And just to continue to update some things that we've talked about in, in prior weeks, so our, our young man in North Raleigh who had the uh, the spitting zebra cobra, he got charged. How many misdemeanors? He got charged with like forty misdemeanors. Several misdemeanors. So I saw I saw the follow up stories this week where he pled guilty. I think to one misdemeanor, and I didn't see what it was, but I think he had did uh, did forfeit all of his snakes so our our friend in north raleigh no longer has any dangerous venomous reptiles and so now we don't we don't have to worry his uh his uh time in the public eye has come to an end so hopefully he can rebound from that what's he going to do on his tiktok channel now we need to check that out that i would have to be the research we do i would imagine that's a complete loss i don't know what you turn to i think he just starts doing snake impersonations himself <laughs> sock puppets <laughs> staring at the camera and Joe, I got a note down here. This is our, I believe this is our 13th show. So this is our 13th show anniversary spectacular. Lucky number 13. Um, you, you guys are so lucky to be here <laughs> for the 13th show. Um, we put a, we put way more thought than normal into this 13th show because it's so special to us. 13 of the greatest hours of my life spent with you, Josh Whitaker, talking to the people. And speaking of the people, we... We really want to focus this on things that people would be interested in hearing. So we're attorneys. We get geeked out by uh, the law, by statutes. And so I don't think we'll ever have any problems coming up with something to talk about. Now, whether it interests non-attorneys who may be listening, that I don't know about that. So if there's a listener out there and you've got a legal topic or a legal news item that you would like to hear me and Joe bounce off each other, talk about, we'd really – if you – tell us about it we'll talk about it for better or worse yeah for be for better or for worse 
we are not experts in several, several different fields, but we'll talk about those things as if we were <laughs> with all the confidence in the world. But seriously, you can text us now. Who can't text? It's very easy. It's very simple. We encourage every single one of you right now to pull out your phone. 1-800-659-1186. Shoot us a text, uh, and, and we would love to hear from you. And I think what, you know, you touched on it, Josh, what we try to do a little bit different, which I would hope would be semi-refreshing, is is really taking that neutral, apolitical perspective where you're not getting, you know, you're not getting uh, any kind of slant or bias. We're coming at it strictly neutral. I literally don't even have opinions anymore. I, I can't form one. It's just purely neutral. Well, today we wanted to spend some time. This came up. I can't remember exactly what we were talking about. Oh, yeah, we're talking about uh, marijuana and our marijuana weed episode the Alaskan Supreme Court back in the 70s, um, we had made simple possession, decriminalized it because they said it was part of our constitutional right to privacy to have small amounts of marijuana. Yeah. And, and that got reversed, but that intrigued me. And in this constitutional right of privacy, this is what's been used for a, for a while now, for the past hundred years, to kind of uh, reinterpret the Bill of Rights and, and what the Bill of Rights were originally trying to do. And uh, you see this come up a lot now. You sure do. And you, Josh, you're a very private person, Josh. So who better? <laughs> who better to guide us through the constitutional right to privacy than Josh Whitaker himself? On today's episode, we're going to take you through some of the uh, some of the Bill of Rights, some of the more uh, the rights that are more t- attuned to creating privacy, to protecting your privacy. Kind of look at wh- what the court took from that and how they've kind of created this zone of privacy, this right to privacy that. Uh, I don't know. It's pretty important. It protects us all from a lot of stuff. It's extremely important, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, we're also going to talk about COVID. We seem to, to touch on that topic very frequently, but uh, specifically, we're going to talk about the eviction moratorium. There was, uh, you know, there's been some recent developments where the CDC's actually come out and issued uh, an extension of that, and we're going to talk about the nuances. Uh, if you need to employ or utilize that, what are the steps that you can take? What are the effect? Uh, what's the effect of how it plays out? Things like that. We're going to talk about that in some more detail as well. All right. Well, Joe, I think this is a good time to take a break. So we'll take a stop for some uh, for some commercials and we'll be right back. Up next on The Outlaw Lawyer, Josh and I talk about the COVID eviction moratorium and the recent developments with it. Welcome back to The Outlaw Lawyer. Josh and Joe here, ready to once again discuss COVID-19 and its implications on society. I think our, I think our listeners need to know that we have uh, switched spots in the studio. So where I used to sit in the studio, there's a, there's a nice little soundboard that gives us a lot of sound effects that I've never, I've never used. Um, and we noticed that, and so now Joseph's over there, so we're going to have some... Uh, and I'm pressing the buttons. I'm not afraid to press the buttons. I don't know what several of them do, but I know how to use an iPad, and that's what this is. And there's several pictures of the sounds they're going to make, so I'm just going to try to insert some color into this uh, whenever it is appropriate. Mm-hmm. So COVID-19, Josh. <laughs> the interesting sound. Yeah, the, that worked uh, out pretty good. So we got we want to talk. So we're we're attorneys. We we are practicing attorneys. And one of the questions we get a lot. We represent a lot of landlords. 
Uh, we do, uh, or at least used to do, quite a bit of eviction work, for better or worse. It's something that happens. Uh, and so we've kind of been paying pretty close attention to this eviction uh, moratorium. And, uh, you know, the Supreme Court's kind of already spoke to this before, Joe. They have. That's not the one I was looking I for. I like that one, though. We can <laughs> it's use a good that one. one. We'll bring it back out. Um, yeah, so the CDC, they issued a new eviction moratorium uh, on August the 3rd. So I'm not sure exactly when this episode will be airing, but on August the 3rd, that is when it was issued. And it basically was intended to temporarily halt evictions in certain counties where COVID-19 is spreading rapidly. And, and it's interesting because the, the first eviction moratorium, the Supreme Court kind of had a chance to look at it in a case, and we won't go into the facts, it's not important, but it was another one where uh, Justice Kavanaugh kind of said, hey, the CDC doesn't have the right to do this. And, and I think at the time, the original moratorium was about to expire, so the Supreme Court didn't take any action. Uh, but they basically said, hey, if this happens again, uh, just know, CDC, this is not in their purview of things that they can do. Yeah, and so what we wanted to do today is, you know, talk a little bit about the moratorium itself and, and more so talk about procedurally uh, what what you need to do if you're potentially in an area where, you know, one of these counties where COVID is spreading rapidly, if you're still being affected by it. So many people have been affected in so many ways. Um, so if you are someone who is, has had some issues, I know a lot of folks have had issues paying rent and and keeping gainful employment and and folks need help sometimes so we're going to talk a little bit about procedurally what you can do to take advantage of this new eviction moratorium joe one of the things that the original moratorium did so the original i guess that's an important distinction the original moratorium was just you really couldn't evict for non-payment of rent right you could evict for other things a holdover tenant uh, damaging the property, violating other provisions of your lease, but non-payment of rent, you, no evictions. That's how it, that's how it worked the, on the old moratorium. Sure. So, and and I think that's an important distinction because I think some some people probably erroneously assumed that you just couldn't evict anyone for anything. Um, but but yeah, that's a that's a very important distinction. And so, I think the most important thing uh, with this eviction moratorium is the need to present your landlord in the event that you need to take advantage of it with a CDC declaration. So if you've received a demand for rent, if you've received an eviction notice or an eviction lawsuit, um, this, this can help you. So you, you know, you have new, you have protections that will protect you um, starting August the 3rd. Exactly. Starting, starting August the 3rd. And so, you know, the, this, this declaration is the first step as far as what you need to present to your landlord to take advantage of this moratorium. Um, but I think it's also in, important to note that the CDC also gives some additional guidance. So there, and you can go on to, there's, there's several places where this information is available. I think the CFPV is actually uh, where we pulled this from. But in addition to the, the statutory protection or, or the declaration, the protection of that declaration, they've given you some other just, I guess, practical tips of what you need to do uh, to kind of get back on your feet as well. So it's not just taking advantage of the moratorium and, and getting relief from those payments because there's other things that you need to do as well to get back on your feet in general. So. I think one of the big things here, so we were, I represent, I'm a landlord. I represent a lot of landlords. Um, I think the big thing is I don't think landlords are lining up to evict people that, that haven't paid, you know, the landlords, they don't want to lose that money. That back rent still owed. I think that's important. Like if someone, if a tenant doesn't understand what a moratorium is, 
that's not a that's not forgiveness, right? So if you owed rent, you still owe rent. Um, and and landlords, I think for the most part that I talk to are going to want to work with tenants to get some some if not all that money back. Yeah, and one thing that the the CDC notes is that several several renters will give up before they have a chance to go to court. I think some people just assume that there's nothing that they can do. There's no nothing to protect them and that once that eviction proceeding is started that that's really it, but that's not the case. You know, this is a hot topic for legal aid. Legal aid ends up, you know, helping a lot of tenants who who may be in this situation. And so this is going to be a real a big issue uh, you know, coming up. And I think you know, I think reaching out to your landlord, especially if you have a good relationship with your landlord, paying anything you can pay now, you know, even though you don't, ha- you know, if there's a moratorium, you don't have to, but anything you can do to show good faith, if you want to stay where you're at, you know, to work with the landlord ahead of time, because you're going to owe a lot of rent and, and they want that rent. <laughs> a lot, a lot of rent. I mean, potentially. One million dollars. See, that was pertinent. That, that was, was that was yeah. good. You lined that one up. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking for opportunities <laughs> to plug these in, man. Um, but yeah, there's also some federal and local programs that are available in the event that you need assistance covering rent and utilities or other housing costs. So again, all this information is available out there. If you go and you check out the resources available to you online, uh, just again, don't assume that there's nothing that can be done because there are things that can be done. And I would say the moratorium, well, you know, you can argue back and forth whether it was needed or not. You know, people were definitely struggling. Um, you know, the PPP loans were out there for small businesses. So I, I think it was definitely right for the government to do something. I think there may be an argument that this has gone on almost too long. And, you know, we always talk about how this is a anything in the law, anything in a statute, anything in like a moratorium, it's a balancing act, right? So you definitely have tenants who need immediate help. But, you know, these landlords, that that's how they're making their living, too. You know, that landlords aren't all, you know, top hat wearing, small mustache having uh, bad guys. They're people with mortgages, and those mortgages still have to get paid. Yeah, you got a lot of landlords out there that are, like you said, not just completely affluent, living the dream on their yacht right. types. There's a lot of individuals. It could be the only rental they have, and they could be they could really need that money as well. You know, that's a very fair point. Look, man, these landlords need to pay for their yachts. <laughs> these land, how, are, how are the landlords going to afford their yachts? No, so. but there's a lot There's a lot of landlords uh, that I know that are in danger. Like, the, the, you know, you're a tenant, you're staying in a house, and that house is going to go into foreclosure because the landlord isn't collecting rent, can't pay the mortgage. So that doesn't help anybody. That's a double whammy of bad things happening to people. And I think one thing we haven't mentioned yet, but I think it's also very important. If you if you get hit with this eviction notice or if you're in the midst of an eviction proceeding, it's important to seek legal assistance as well. Reach out to an attorney and uh, and get that help. There, there's Like you said, there's legal aid available for a lot of people where you could even potentially have pro bono work done for you on your behalf or get some kind of assistance. And that's something that you should absolutely consider if you're in that situation. Yeah, you know, uh, attorneys, you know, unfortunately will cost money. Um, most attorneys don't work for free, although a lot of attorneys do do pro bono work. But if you're, you know, if you're tenant and you're trying to catch up on rent, legal aid may, may be a good resource for you. Absolutely. And so we, we talked a little bit about the programs that are available to you as far as they've got programs available to help you cover rent, to help you cover utilities, to help you cover other housing costs. But uh, there's also programs that are designed, really, they're local rent assistance programs that'll be designed to help 
people seek new housing as well. So it's not limited to just monetary assistance to catch up, but they, there may be programs out there that will help you cover the cost of moving, cover your security deposit, cover application fees. So there's things out there for everybody. Just to talk more about the legal aspect, not what actually is, is available, but I think Biden himself, if you kind of read on what was going on, so the original moratorium expired for a couple of days, and then this new one came down the pipe. But um, I think Biden himself knows that that this new one, you know, if anyone challenges it, I'm assuming, and that would take some time, and I think that's the point. Um, but I'm assuming if it gets challenged, it's going to get knocked down. But it probably will provide a lot of relief before it gets that far along in the process. Yeah, even if it does ultimately get knocked down, I think, like you said, it's going gonna, it's gonna to provide some relief because sometimes all folks need is just a little bit of time. I mean, no one, no one wants to see anyone put out on the street that, that, you know, is having a difficult time. And it really has been an unprecedented time for people. And there's been folks going through a lot, dealing with a lot. So, you know, that's a good point. But once, I think you said it well, once these yacht owning uh, rich landlords come together and start, start pushing against this, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if it does survive that scrutiny. Well, that's our COVID segment for today. Um, if you have any questions or concerns, give us a call. You can reach me and Joe here at the Outlaw Lawyer, or you can reach me and Joe at the firm of Whitaker and Hamer by dialing 1-800-659-1186. That's 1-800-659-1186. And again, you can call and leave us a detailed message, or you can text us on that line. So uh, send us a message there. Our website, as it has been since day one, is theoutlawlawyer.com, and that's where all of our archived old past episodes live you can email us questions at theoutlawlawyer.com and then we do exist on social media facebook and twitter as the outlaw lawyer uh joseph i don't believe we're on instagram or anything else <laughs> that's correct josh we are not on instagram <laughs> can the government prohibit you from buying birth control they tried once, but your constitutional right to privacy stopped it. We talk about it next. We're back on the Outlaw Lawyer. You've got Joe and Josh here. I will warn you, Joe is still next to the soundboard, so be ready for that. Hi ho, hi ho. Oh, that's too long. So I've, I've, I'm retiring the soundboard. After that. <laughs> I didn't, the dwarves, that was my last soundboard. Back to legal talk. Well, Joe, before we get into, with anything, we got to talk about how the constitutional right to privacy developed. And so it started with just the court hearing factual arguments and trying to make the Bill of Rights apply when they thought it should to the things that came before them. So the Bill of Rights is kind of a magical document you know, our founders went ahead and spelled out to the best of their ability at the time everything our government shouldn't be able to do to us. It's innocent, loving citizens. We are innocent, and we and we are loving, and we are citizens. So, but our founders, of course, couldn't uh, imagine a lot of things that we're dealing with today. Um, you know, I kind of am one of the attorneys. There's a couple of different camps, but I like a strict interpretation of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. But even when you do that, there's still you still have to make some some leaps of faith, some jump, try to figure out what the founders probably intended, and then try to apply that to the issues of today. 
That's right, Josh. And uh, you asked the question, can the government prohibit you from buying birth control? By God, people need their birth control, Josh. <laughs> Any and all kinds of it. As a person with so many children, people need their birth control. So You, you do have a lot of kids. Several. Yeah. Hundreds. <laughs> the, uh, four, actually. So what I want to do in this segment is I want to pick out, we're not going to go through the whole Bill of Rights. We've already talked about a lot of these on the show in, in, different, in different lights, but I want to go through the ones that the court have, have kind of used, I'm going to say tent poles. They've used them as tent poles to create this tent, this zone of, uh, of privacy. And so the first one, we've already looked at it on, a sh- on one of our shows, but we were going to talk about the First Amendment. I like that, man. The tent poles, I'm closing my eyes right now and I'm picturing a tent of rights. And it's a big tent with room <laughs> for everyone in America <laughs> right up underneath it. So yeah, the First Amendment. So I guess we let's start with the text. So yeah. I will now literally read the text, and then we shall, shall dive into it. So First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And so when we talk about the First Amendment, we need to break that down and kind of figure out what, what rights are in there. So we've talked about this before. The Constitution, the Bill of Rights, they're not lengthy. This is not a lengthy document. This is a succinct uh, document. And we kind of have to go through and look at every clause to figure out what, what our founders were protecting there. And so the first clause, it, clearly, they're, they, it's the Establishment Clause. You remember that, Joseph? I remember the Establishment Clause from my several years in law school and my studies. And I also remember it from one of our classic <laughs> The Outlaw Lawyer episodes, one of my favorites, so, where we discuss the Establishment Clause. So that's the one where, where Congress shall make no law uh, establishing a, a state religion, right? So this is one where we, we our founders never wanted religion to to uh to be they never wanted a religion the government endorsed they never wanted a national religion that's a very fair point and you know we i encourage everybody to go back into the archives and and check that one out a real banger of an episode we put out on the establishment clause i remember that was a lot of case law a lot of case law that's what the people want we're gonna give (laughs) we're gonna give the people what they want uh right after that you've got the free exercise clause and and again similar to how you know congress is not going to make any law that is going to promote or respect any establishment of religion. Uh, you're also going to have no prohibition of the free exercise of, of your own religion. That's right. So the government cannot establish a religion, and but they also can't prohibit you to from practicing your, within limits, and we've talked about those limits, your own real religion. There's some solid religions out there too, Josh. And so the next clause is going to talk about freedom of speech and, and the press. I know freedom of speech, that's... That's a whole episode by itself. And that's the one that, that a lot of people come to when they, you know, freedom of speech, you hear First Amendment. I think most non-constitutional scholars, they look at they look at that First Amendment as being just free speech based. And that's what they really harp on. And that's the thing people really associate it with. And then it finishes up uh, people peaceably. So you have the right to peaceably assemble. So uh, you don't have the right to riot. You don't have the right to uh, to fortify a police station and hole up in it. But you have the right to peaceably assemble. And as a nice callback, that's another another classic The Outlaw Lawyer podcast uh, radio episode. We talked about rioting. Check it out. <laughs> yeah. So the First Amendment is chocked full of, of rights. And so 
in uh, you know, if you read a bunch of Supreme Court cases, they've kind of said, okay, well, this amendment. One of the ways you can think of it in this context of privacy is this is uh, this is the this is your founders trying to protect your privacy of beliefs, right? So you have the right to believe uh, their computer chips and vaccines if that's what you want to believe. You have a you have a right to believe and practice any you know believe anything you want, practice your religion, and the government can't can't you know can't keep you from exercising your freedom of speech now facebook might be able to yeah and that's i was going to touch on that because you get it you see a lot if you spend a lot of time on facebook <laughs> and you've got the right friends <laughs> you see a lot of people who who may you know get banned from facebook have a post taken down and then they're gonna they're up in arms because their first amendment right is being infringed and that's that's not what's happening you're you know again it's the government doing these things it's it's you know a private actor discriminate against your your right to think or your ability to speak that's not what the first amendment protects right or when your boss fires you for uh for espousing beliefs they don't agree with that's not uh that's not that they're uh, your boss maybe your boss is the government in which case <laughs> they may have an issue but that's right just generally that's not the case all right, so that's the that's the First Amendment, and then we also need to take a good close look at the Third Amendment. Um, it's a little dated, um, but it reads, the text of the Third Amendment of the Bill of Rights reads, No soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. We're not really worried about this happening right now, although I guess it could if it wasn't protected in the uh I'll tell you what, man, I'd open my house to the soldiers if it was needed and we would we'd give them a comfortable place to stay with all my many children. There's a Simpsons, I don't remember the I don't remember the episode, but there's a Simpsons where Homer gets really good and drunk and he's yelling at somebody and saying, you know, if it weren't for the Constitution, the King of England could come right into your house. <laughs> I encourage all of our listeners to uh let the veterans stay with you and live with you. So this this amendment, when courts kind of look at this zone of privacy, they call this privacy of home against the demands of the government, right? So this is what they we kind of read this as, you know, the government, and there's other ones that'll that'll kind of play into this, but this is the privacy of your home against demands from the government. So still kind of looking at this from a privacy aspect. And how, and I think we can all agree there's few things more important than having that expectation of privacy in your home. That's your home, and we should all have the right to feel very private against the demands of the government in our homes. And and the next, you know, the Fourth Amendment is the next one that we're going to take a look at, and that kind of builds on that. But uh, it, it does build on that, and I was kind of segueing into it. But the, the Fourth Amendment says, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. We talk about this a lot in law school, Josh. If you, so I, I am not, me and Joseph, we are not the criminal law attorneys at, at our firm, Whitaker and Hamer, but if you practice criminal law, the Fourth Amendment is your bread and butter. If you're a practicing criminal, come the, see us. The, uh, so this, this is kind of another tent pole. So this is uh, protecting, the, this is how the founders kind of try to protect the privacy of your person and your possessions. And, and so many cases every year, dealing with the fourth amendment and what the government can do what's reasonable and this is where we won't get into the discussion today but you know the oh, i can't remember the guy's name now who who leaked how the nsa was listening to everybody's phones snowden was that snowden yeah one of those fellows yeah. yeah so you know when you see something like that and i still feel enough people didn't get mad about that what do you, you do? should be t- it should make you upset 
I mean, what do you do about it? Yeah, peaceably assemble. That's true. We peaceably assemble, and we don't let them be quartered in our house. Those but are our options. I would argue the Fourth Amendment is one of the most important important ones we have there in the Bill of Rights, and that's another tentpole. That is, again, protecting I, – I think it kind of goes with the home thing, but protecting your privacy. It's a massive tentpole, and it's, it's kind of the foundation upon which so much criminal procedure is built upon. I'm going to let you think about it, but I would have to think on that soundboard there's a sound that would go with massive tentpole. Oh man, massive tentpole. I don't know. I'll, I'll let you look at it. I'll I'll do it. I'll be digging. In the interim, we're gonna skip over. We don't have too many more of these to look at to kind of get our privacy discussion underway. But the Fifth Amendment, which I, is kind of long, but I'm just gonna read it so we have read the text. But uh, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless a, on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces, basically the army. Uh, nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of the law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. There's a lot there in the Fifth Amendment. That was a lot, Josh. I was following along with you, and I thought several times during it, this is a lot. Yeah. So this is, you know, you got a lot of stuff in here. You've got your double jeopardy in here, so you can't be tried for the same crime twice. You've got due process of law. You've got due process of law, and you've got your, your I always call it kind of your, your liberty clause, but you can't be, you know, the you can't be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So that's a very important one. Very, very important one. Um, and you can't, you know, that's that's that Fifth Amendment. I plead the Fifth. There, That should be on here for sure. Yeah, and nor shall private property be taken for public use. So that's, uh, you know, eminent domain. The the governor can't come take your house uh, just for the heck of it unless he is, uh, there's a proceeding and there's a, you know, a proceeding to determine the value and you get just compensation for that taking. I think when the from the privacy standpoint, this is a kind of privacy of personal information. So you you can't be a witness of, against yourself. You're, the government cannot use your personal information against you. Against yourself, exactly. That's right. And that brings us to Amendment Nine as we kind of kind of push through these to get to the ultimate discussion. Uh, Amendment Nine says the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people so the way that this gets interpreted a lot is this is kind of a catch-all like the founders were smart enough to know like these are all the things that are important to us now because we suffered you know under the king of england and we you know this is what we know we need to protect you from there'll probably be other things in the future you need to be protected from your government government's always the bad guy you're gonna need to be protected from them so this is kind of a catch-all it is a catch-all, and that you said it. The government's always a bad guy. At least th- that's the assumption. That's what this is designed to protect against. These rights, you know, are designed to protect you from the government being the bad guy. And then the Fourteenth Amendment is the last one we'll look at, which we're kind of out of the Bill of Rights now. But the Fourteenth Amendment gets talked about a lot. And so, real quick, I want to read a portion of it anyway. All persons born and naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States. And of the state wherein they reside, no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of the law, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the law. So the equal protection clause is in there. There's a couple other things, but basically applying the Bill of Rights. So this is a federal document. This is telling us what the U.S. government, the federal government, can't do. But this one kind of applied that to the states. So because of this, the states 
also can't do this to you. Exactly. And so if you take this clause and its application to the states and you couple it with the Bill of Rights, uh, that's basically what the Supreme Court has said gives U.S. citizens the broad right to privacy that we're discussing right now. So all of the tent poles come together. They form the privacy tent. And uh, that's where we'll go from. We'll kind of build off of that. Everybody's got the background knowledge that they need. And I think we can keep discussing some specific case law and elaborate on this. Coming up next on The Outlaw Lawyer, we keep talking about your right to privacy, and we discuss some early cases dealing with this right to privacy. Josh Whitaker, Joe Hamer, back with you in studio. So we've kind of we've kind of set up all our tent poles for the uh, the the right of privacy. It's going to be implied based on what we what we already have in the Constitution. And so this kind of first starts to take shape in the 1920s. So in the 1920s, uh, just to give you some historical reference, um, you have got uh, some some anti what would you say, some anti-sentiment uh, fostered by World War One? so some anti-international, I don't know what the right word is there. Some anti-foreign. Yeah, sure. Some xeno- an- xenophobia. Would that yeah, be accurate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never heard that word till like three years ago, but yeah. Well, you've heard it again today. <laughs> yeah. So the U.S. is kind of hesitant about foreign influences in the U.S. and especially in schools. So um, the first kind of case we want to take a look at is called Meyer the Nebraska, and it's from the early 1920s. Um, and in this one, Nebraska had a law that banned learning foreign lang- foreign languages. I think it was uh, ninth grade and under. You couldn't teach foreign languages. Um, and Meyer, whoever that was, I didn't read the whole case, but Meyer uh, took umbrage to that, and the Supreme Court invalidated the Nebraska law uh, banning that. And so the chief justice at the time was McReynolds, and I liked his, we've got a quote from the case, and again, I, I don't want to do too much on-air reading. That can't be very exciting, but I like this quote, so I was going to read it. It says, while this court has not attempted to define with exactness the liberty thus guaranteed, the term has received much consideration, and some of the included things have been definitely stated. Without doubt, it denotes not merely freedom from bodily restraint, but also the right of the individual to contract, to engage in any of the common occupations of life, to acquire useful knowledge, to marry, establish a home, and bring up children, to worship God according to the dictates of his own conscience, and generally to enjoy those privileges long recognized at common law as essential to the orderly pursuit of happiness by free men. So here, he's, uh, you know, Justice McReynolds is kind of inter- interpreting uh, life, liberty, pursuit of property, and this is kind of where this notion that you have more than just the enumerated rights. That's right. Justice McReynolds, an all-time classic justice, he (laughs) pumped out some of the greatest hits. And I think it's fair to say Justice McReynolds said that this Nebraska law was no bueno, which I would not know what that meant had this law (laughs) had passed. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And so you're going to see this trend. So this was a popular um, how you use, you know, this is uh, back when public education was kind of coming into full swing and you had a lot of uh, people who were new to the United States who weren't really keen on their kids going to public school. You had a lot of parochial schools, Catholic schools, uh, you know, they didn't really call it homeschool then, but a lot of kids didn't. But you had this nationwide movement towards public education. Um, and so you're going to see a lot of laws early on that have to deal with that. 
Exactly. And and basically what, what Justice McReynolds here is doing is, is just reinforcing everything stated in, in the amendments that we discussed and just applying those concepts. And again, stating that, you know, you've got the right to pr- pursue these things and you and you can do that. And there that's essentially that. So the next case was a couple of years later, Pierce v. Society of Sisters. And again, we're taking complicated cases and just giving you like a sentence here. But um, the court kind of looked at what happened in the previous case, the Meyer case, and there was an Oregon law that basically uh, said all children have to attend public schools. And so if that law was going to be on the books, then basically all private schools, religious schools, any other option would have closed and every kid would have had to go to public school. Yeah, so again, you see the court just fleshing out this right to privacy and, and and again, fleshing out the right to raise and educate your kids the way that you see fit. You've got the right to to do that and and to do it in private without governmental interference and this is how you know this this ruling is again the court reinforcing that fact so this was really the the doctrine and it was quiet for a little while it kind of died down until the 1960s when you get into the warren courts in the 1960s the warren court they issue the ruling in griswold v connecticut and in that case the court struck down a state law prohibiting the sale the possession and the distribution of contraceptives to married couples so we're, we're on birth control josh we're finally there right so this is uh it's hard for me to believe there was a time when when the government could control and this was i think this was married couples too so this made it distribution possession sale of contraceptives to married couples illegal in the state of connecticut which i mean that's 70 years ago 65 years ago and and that's bananas that's bananas so an individual has a right to possess and view pornography. So there was a law, I think it was in Georgia, that said you can't you can't own, you can't possess pornography even in your own house, even if you're by yourself. Um, and, it, and it was weird because the court not only said yes, you absolutely can, but then they even came out and said, you know, at the time it was a crime. You know, in a lot of states it was a crime to make pornography to produce pornography and if you can't produce pornography then how are you going to watch well people still people yeah. still did it and okay. they could and they could be charged with a crime but they said it's not a it's not a crime this is really interesting to me and i'll have to read more i kind of read over it really quickly and then it just came back to me but you could still possess it in your house like it wasn't a crime for you to possess it even though it may have been a crime for someone to produce it to make it I thought that was interesting. That is very interesting. and You didn't uh, look like you thought it was interesting. No, that my face is, uh, I'm just thinking about it. I'm just, I'm just really debating the merits of the case and uh, thinking on it. And again, this was uh, kind of 68, 70, uh, but it was um, Justice Marshall, and it was Stanley v. Georgia. And so he wrote, whatever may be the justifications for other statutes regulating obscenity, and he didn't say this, but I'll say it, there's a ton of cases that have to do with pornography. Uh, we could we could do an episode on it but back to back to justice marshall we do not think they reach into the privacy of one's own home if the first amendment means anything it means that a state has no business telling a man sitting alone in his own house and i would say he doesn't have to be alone exactly (laughs) i don't like how this justice is assuming that people aren't watching their pornography in large groups of individuals but back to the quote what books he may read or what films he may watch our whole constitutional heritage rebels at the thought of giving government the power to control men's minds. And I thought that was a fine quote. I think it's a great quote, and I think it's something that, by God, every single person should be able to agree with. I, I, I don't see any benefit to the alternative of allowing those types of things to be dictated. It's a slippery slope, Joseph. It's a very slippery slope. I like how you work that into our pornography discussion. <laughs> the uh, All right, so that kind of gives you, that's, that's kind of the early cases, uh, kind of gets you to where the court's thinking about the zone of privacy and how it needs to be protected. 
Um, what so do you think I, the odds are that the, the court in 1969 could predict the state of pornography today versus what it was in 1969? He refers to reading books. I'm assuming they had pornography books where it was literally just spoken word at one point. I don't know, man. I don't think they, I don't think they could have foreseen the pornography avalanche that we would see today. That's a, yeah, that's a whole, whole separate topic. But again, you're in the privacy of your own home. Why should the government be able to dictate what you do? So next up in our next segment, we're going to take a look at more recent cases because there's some there's some big time issues that are, are coming into our, our tent, our zone of privacy. So we'll talk about those up next. And we also want to remind you guys, uh, Josh and I, again, practicing partnering attorneys with the law firm of Whitaker and Hamer. We always want you guys to know you can reach out to us at any time via phone at 1-800-659-1186, or you can text us at that same number. Very easy to text us. Please, everyone, text us right now even. Your questions, your concerns, your thoughts, what you'd like to hear us talk about. You can visit us at theoutlawlawyer.com. You can email us at questions, plural. That's questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. And we're on all social media, minus Instagram, <laughs> at theoutlawlawyer. we got to get on that Instagram. That's what the, the kids, they're on the Instagram. The kids are on there. We're getting on Instagram. We should we get the TikTok account. Mm. The snake guys lost a lot of viewers since he lost <laughs> the snakes, man. They're, they're, There's a whole <laughs> market of people out there we that can. we can cater to. There are a lot of important rights protected by the constitutional right to privacy, including abortion. We'll talk about it next. All right, Joseph. So now we're 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 pretty far along in our journey. We're getting into the 70s uh, to the present, and I don't know if there's a more important no matter what side of it you're on, this debate, I don't know if there's a more important recent case um, under this uh, topic than Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Never heard of it. <laughs> it didn't come up in law school? No, man. I've never never heard of it, period. That's brand new. I've never heard it mentioned in the news several <laughs> thousand times. The uh, But it's, it's an important case. That's why. I was going to ask you what law school you went to. I know what law school you went it's to. It's the same one you went to. <laughs> Somebody asked me what law school I went to the other day. I told them I went to the law school of hard knocks. Yeah. And so they didn't cover that there. I just was in the streets learning the laws from the people. <laughs> yeah, that's how it used to be. You didn't go to law school back in the day. Yeah, you just lived in, you just, exactly. There's a very famous attorney. So I, you know, I, I always treat myself like I'm a boxer, even though I couldn't box for 30 seconds. But I fight out of the South Raleigh that thir- area. Man, that 30 seconds. <laughs> It'd be intense. That 30 seconds. <laughs> but there was, a, there was an attorney there, and he came back from World War II. And uh, very smart guy, very good attorney, uh, practiced for a long, long time. But he uh, didn't go to law school. He came out, and back then you just sat for the bar. You passed it. You were an attorney. Yeah, man, that would have saved me substantial <laughs> sums of money. And uh, But no, man, I enjoyed my law school experience, and uh, I was really molded into the lawyer I am today. So Roe v. Wade, we don't really have the, you know, we're not really worried about the case here as much as much of the result. And so this was, uh, you know, there was a time period where abortions in any form were not not legal, and states kind of governed it. And so some states were more lenient than other states. And so this this was not available to to women at the time. And so Roe v. Wade, landmark, I think it was seven to two. Uh, it's very interesting to go read about it. But but yes, this zone of privacy, uh, your pri- your body. It was said, hey, uh, you know, women have a right to abortion. Um, and it stood 
you know, since 1972. And so I think there's some, um, you know, there's always some worry that this is going to be revisited because they are passionate. And again, we, we're not going to wait into to this issue. We're not going to take sides on the issue, but uh, albeit to say there's passionate folks on both sides of this debate. I think it's incredibly fair to say that there is a substantial amount of passion on both sides to the point, I mean, there's individuals willing to carry out violence because of their passion uh, about this issue. There's few issues that are that have this level of passion behind them. So, again, and like you said, there's there's been a lot of concern about this being revisited. Hasn't happened yet, but there's been a lot of speculation, and that's one of the that's one of the key factors you hear debated when there are new appointments to the Supreme Court. You, you hear a lot about concerns over this this case being you know revisited in some way so you know the due process clause of the 14th amendment protects against state action uh, that affects the right to privacy and a woman's right to choose to have an abortion the court has held falls squarely within that right to privacy like you said josh it falls within that zone of privacy so any state law that broadly prohibits abortion without respect to the stage of pregnancy or certain other interests violates that right and the 14th amendment yeah it doesn't allow states to to make laws that you know if you restrict this right you know it's got to be a compelling interest you know there's a whole there's a, this could be a whole episode so we won't get too more into it than that but um, these amendments all work together to create this right and then to extend it on you know onto the state where the state can't attend to it but you know the supreme court once precedent you know this is it this is a precedent and and not often are precedents Overturned, you know, especially ones that have been sitting for like fifty years. Now, I could see people being worried about the Supreme Court going back and and limit trying to limit it, or you know, because again, everything in the law is competing interests, right? So you've got on this side of abortion, you've got people who are certainly concerned for a, a woman's right to choose, and you've got the side that's concerned at what point does the uh, does the fetus become someone who's entitled to constitutional protections as well you know yeah exactly it's like you said there's competing interests there and that's how the 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 state has always looked at it and the courts looked at it there are legitimate interests in protecting the health of pregnant women and then also that that as they call it that potentiality of human life and you know really you have to weigh those interests um and i think the courts always held that there's kind of a sliding scale where they that interest varies over the course of the pregnancy and you know there needs to be distinctions in the law that account for that variability. I'm going to make a bold a bold last segment prediction, Joseph. Do it. As a country, I don't think we will ever agree on the abortion issue. I think I think that's a fair thing to say and I, I don't see a path to agreement on it because again, it's a hot button issue. Anytime you have an issue that is uh, has provoked and caused people to literally commit acts of violence, vandalism, things of that nature, it's a hot button issue, man. That's the very definition of a hot button issue. And, and this one's hot. It is. It's about as hot as they get. I remember. Uh, I think the first day. I think I took debate in high school on the first day. That was the first issue. Oh <laughs> man, they came out of the gate swinging. <laughs> right. The. Um, so this, it continues, you know, in 03, Lawrence v. Texas, uh, you've got a case here where there was a law that made, uh, you know, sodomy, homosexual sodomy, illegal. And so, you know, if, if two homosexual men engaged in that act, it was a criminal activity and they could be prosecuted and jailed. And I don't know what the penalties were, but they weren't good. 
And how so, do you catch someone for that crime, man? That's my, how are we enforcing that? That's my question. I just, you know, practically it's, speaking, it's almost, it's just almost, and that wasn't that long ago either. You know, it's just, it's crazy how quickly things can change. But I think a good kind of summary of what the court was doing here. Um, so Justice Kennedy, he was, he was a justice uh, in this case. And so I've got another little quote I want to read, but I think it's important. It's, it, his quote goes, these matters involving the most intimate and personal choices a person may make in a lifetime, choices central to personal dignity and autonomy are central to the liberty protected by, again, the 14th Amendment. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. The petitioners are entitled to respect for their private lives. The state cannot demean their existence or control their destiny by making their private sexual conduct a crime. Their right to liberty under the Due Process Clause gives them the full right to engage in their conduct without intervention of the government. It is a promise of the Constitution that there is a realm of personal liberty which the government may not enter. Again, hard to disagree with that. Yeah, and and again, you know, that— and there's more cases. That's kind of where we're we're going to run out of time here before too long, so we're not going to take it too much further. But you can see how important this constitutional right is. And, again, all built off the framework that our founders put into existence so many years ago. Absolutely. And um, you, you said it well, and it's, it's an ever-developing thing, too. It's The framework's been established, but, you know, we, we revisit this from time to time. But these are these are things that have been established, and— these are things that, again, you know, there is the concern over the revisiting of, of Roe v. Wade and things of that nature. But uh, I think we can all agree that that right to privacy is, is fundamental and it's something that we should all guard very, very closely. And I'll remind you earlier on, there was a 1970s case in Alaska where they said the small amount, simple possession of a small amount of marijuana was in this tent. It is in this tent. There is marijuana in this tent officially. But, but they, they, they overturned that. I'm still on this, this sodomy law. How do you how do you enforce? Who's they sending cops out? You you got to go undercover, Johnson. I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't what get was it. that? Oh, I can't remember. Um, or some show where the cop was going undercover to to bust. It wasn't that. Uh, Reno nine one one is what you're talking no, about. No, right? I don't think so. But he sure? was going. Yeah, I can't remember. what He's it just is. like a sting operation, and he yeah, he the went prostitution all, ring, and he yeah yeah, yeah he yeah, went yeah. he went all the way. But that's it. All right. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Outlaw. Lawyer, Joe and I always have a good time coming into the studio and and, uh, and talking to you guys about things we think are interesting. We would sure like to know what you think would be interesting for two attorneys to sit here and talk about. Um, if you have that topic in mind, call or text us at 1-800-659-1186. That's 1-800-659-1186. If you're interested in listening to our past episodes, they are stored on our website at theoutlawlawyer.com. You can also download them wherever your favorite podcast uh, may live. You can email us questions at theoutlawlawyer.com. And again, we live on just Facebook and Twitter. Uh, soon soon to come, every social media outlet in the world. As The Outlaw Lawyer. Joe, I've enjoyed it. Josh, I've greatly enjoyed it. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to encourage you all to continue to tune in and, and go back and revisit those classics for sure. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Outlaw Lawyers 
hosted by an attorney licensed to practice law in North Carolina. Some of the guests appearing on the show may be licensed North Carolina attorneys. Discussion of this show is meant to be general in nature and in no way should the discussion be interpreted as legal advice. Legal advice can only be rendered once an attorney licensed in the state in which you live had the opportunity to discuss the facts of your case with you. The attorneys appearing on the show are speaking in generalities about the law in North Carolina and how these laws affect the average North Carolinian. If you have any questions about the content of this show, contact us directly.